Welcome to the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast featuring Peter Bell and Nick Fulweiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition, delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Hello and welcome to the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Catechism Thursday, Lord's Day number 23. And before we start this, if you have not yet listened to Monday's podcast with Reverend Todd Bordeaux of Cornerstone OPC in Texas and host of the Glory Cloud podcast, please do yourself a favor and listen to it. He talks about biblical theology and preaching, how we understand the finished work of Christ in a redemptive historical way. He defines those terms, gives us a really good understanding and how we can defend ourselves from a moralistic understanding of the scripture and towards a Christ-centered, gospel-centric understanding of scripture. So listen to that, and we will start with question and answer 59. We have question and answer 59 to 61 today. So question and answer 59. But what does it help you now that you believe all this? Answer, in Christ I am righteous before God, an heir to life everlasting. And what Ursinus does, he actually combines his exposition of 59 and 60 under the heading of the doctrine of justification. So we'll go to question answer 60 as well. So question answer 60. How are you righteous before God? And here's the answer. Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Although my conscience accuses me that I have grievously sinned, against all God's commandments, have never kept any of them, and am still inclined to evil, yet God, without any merit of my own, out of mere grace, imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. He grants these to me as if I had never had, never had nor committed any sin, and as if I myself had accomplished all the obedience which Christ has rendered for me. If only I accept this gift with a believing heart. And like I said, he combines question answers 59 and 60. So when we expose this, when we exposit this, we will talk about both question answer 59 and 60. So Rosina says, concerning the doctrine of justification, of which the above questions of the catechism treat, the following things are to be considered. And here are six questions. First, what is righteousness in general? Second, how manifold is it? Third, in what does righteousness differ from justification? Fourth, what is a righteousness before God? Fifth, in what manner does it become ours, seeing it is without us? And sixth, why is it made ours, or wherefore does God impute it unto us for righteousness? And then here's the first question. What is righteousness in general? And so he says, righteousness is derived from right, which is the law, and is conformity with the law, as sin or righteousness or unrighteousness is the transgression of the law. It may be defined in general as consisting in a conformity with God and the divine law, although a definition can hardly be given so general as degree at the same time with God, and creatures. Uncreated righteousness is God himself, 
the foundation and rule or pattern of all righteousness. Created righteousness, however, is an effect or uncreated or of uncreated or divine righteousness in rational creatures. Righteousness, therefore, in general, as far as it has respect to creatures, consists, consists in fulfilling those laws which pertain to rational creatures, or it is a conformity on the part of rational creatures with those laws which have respect to them. Finally, righteousness is the fulfillment of the law, and a conformity with the law is righteousness itself. This must be observed and held fast to, because our justification can only be affected by fulfilling the law. Evangelical righteousness is the fulfilling of the law and does not conflict with it in the least. The gospel does not abolish the law, but establishes it. And so we ask this next question, how manifold is righteousness or justice? And he says, righteousness is, un is either uncreated as God himself is righteous, or it is created as the righteousness belonging to rational creatures, you and I. Created righteousness is legal, meaning the fulfillment of the law by one who is thereby declared righteous, or it is fulfilling the law by one's own obedience or conformity to the law, which he has who is declared righteous. Evangelical righteousness is the fulfilling of the law, performed not by us, but by another in our stead, and imputed unto us of God by faith. Legal righteousness is performed either by obedience to the law or punishment according to it. The law requires one or the other. Third question, in what does righteousness differ from justification? And here's a great definition and differentiation. Righteousness is conformity with the law or the fulfillment of the law by which we are justified before God. Justification is the application of this righteousness to anyone. And then they differ in that righteousness is the act of obedience. Whereas justification is the being credited disobedience. Fourth question, what is our righteousness before God? The righteousness with which we are justified before God is not our conformity with the law, nor our good works, nor our faith, but it is the satisfaction which Christ rendered to the law in our place. That's a huge differentiation. Or the punishment which he endured on our behalf. And therefore, the entire humiliation of Christ from the moment of his conception to his glorification, including his assumption of humanity, his subjection to the law, his poverty, reproach, weakness, sufferings, death, etc. All of which he did willingly, and whatever he did and suffered, to which he was not bound as being righteous and the Son of God, is all included in the satisfaction he made for us, and in the righteousness which Christ graciously imputes to us and all believers. This satisfaction is equivalent to the fulfilling of the law or to the endurance of eternal punishment for sin, to one or the other of which the law binds all. Fifth question, how does the satisfaction of Christ become our righteousness, seeing that it is without us? There are two ways. 
First, God himself applies it unto us. That is, he makes the righteousness of Christ over unto us and accepts of us as righteous on account of it, as if it were ours. And two, we apply it also unto ourselves when we receive the righteousness of Christ through faith. That is, we rest assured that God will grant unto us and he will regard us as righteous on account of it and that he will free us from all guilt. So, there is no absurdity to say that we are justified by the righteousness of another. The term imputation is not so comprehensive in its signification as application. God applies the righteousness of Christ unto us in one way, and we apply it in another. To justify in the sense in which the church uses the phrase does not mean legally by infusing in him qualities of righteousness, and this is what the Roman Catholic Church teaches, but to regard one as righteous and absolve of all guilt, which is the Protestant understanding. And here's the last question, number six. Why is the satisfaction of Christ made ours? Wherefore does Christ impute it unto us for righteousness? God, out of his mere mercy and grace, imputes and applies unto us his righteousness of Christ, as he also predestinated us from everlasting to this grace, and freely chose us in Christ, as those to whom he might in his own time apply this righteousness according to the good pleasure of his will, as Paul says in Ephesians 1.5. Not having been moved thereto by any goodness or holiness which he foresaw would be in us. And the reason of this arises from the fact that there could be no goodness in us, except God first produce it. Christ then presents himself in various ways for our justification, as the subject or ground of our righteousness, as the moving cause, as the chief and efficient cause. The mercy of God, listen to this, is the moving cause of our justification as far as it respects God. The satisfaction of Christ is the formal cause, whilst our faith is the instrumental cause, apprehending and applying to ourselves the righteousness of Christ. And the last question answer, 61. Why do you say that you are righteous only by faith? And here's the answer. Not that I am acceptable to God on account of the worthiness of my faith or only the satisfaction Righteousness and holiness of Christ is my righteousness before God. I can receive this righteousness and make it my own by faith only. And here Asinus exposits this question and answer. We are said to be justified by faith only in these three ways. First, because we are justified by the object of faith alone. Catch that difference. Not the faith, but the object that our faith is placed upon. That is by the merits of Christ only, without which we can have no righteousness whatever, for we are justified for Christ's sake. Secondly, because the act which belongs properly to faith is to apprehend and apply to itself the righteousness of Christ. Faith is nothing else than the acceptance itself or the apprehension of the merits of Christ. And lastly, third, because faith alone is the instrument which apprehends the satisfaction of Christ. Alone because it expresses what Paul affirms, we are justified freely by his grace. We only believe that all our own works and merits 
as well as those of any other, may be excluded as being the cause of our justification. The faith may be understood correlatively, that only our that not only our merits, but that even faith itself may be excluded from that which is received by faith. That we may understand the necessity of faith in our justification. We know that we are justified not by the merit of faith, but yet just as little without faith to receive Christ's righteousness. What Ursinus is saying is this is not the intensity or the actual faith itself that saves. It's the object that faith is placed upon, no matter how big or how small. It's the object that justifies. And he finishes, this we must firmly maintain and believe. One, for the glory of God, that so the sacrifice of Christ may not be impaired. And two, for our comfort, that we may be assured that our righteousness does not depend upon our works. And then he says, for if this were the case, we should lose it thousands of times. But upon the sacrifice and merit of Christ alone. Well, thank you for listening to Lord's Day number 23, Catechism Thursday, episode number 23. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please stay tuned for Saturday. We have Pastor Scott Christensen. He is going to be speaking about his book, What About Evil?, published by PNR Books. This is a fantastic book to understand or to get closer to understanding the sovereignty of God and evil. And then next Monday for our SparkNote Seminary, we have Dr. Brad Bittner of Westminster Seminary, California. He'll be speaking to us about Paul's epistles and his theology, understanding Paul in the context of the Old Testament, how he comes with his theology. Is it different than what Jesus has? Is it different than other authors? Or is it the same in essence and just different in the way he exposits it? So I hope you guys listen to Saturday and Monday on the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast. Bye.